Welcome to the Bicultural Podcast. The Bicultural Podcast celebrates cross-cultural identity and gives insight into cultural differences to help you improve business relationships. The podcast is published bi-weekly and is hosted by myself, Janina Neumann, a bilingual creative, social entrepreneur and business owner of Janina Neumann Design. Welcome to the Bicultural Podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Maimona Diata, a translator and interpreter. Hi, Maimona. How are you? Hi, Janina. I'm good. And you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm so pleased to have you on my podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, Thank you for inviting me uh, to this podcast. And I would like to say that I'm really happy to be here. I was born in Dakar. That's the capital city of Senegal, but I grew up in Boaké, a city in the center of Côte d'Ivoire that's in French-speaking West Africa. And uh, I have to tell you that my family settled uh, in that country for decades after moving around in that region. I'd like to tell you more about that city if we have time. You know, that city, Boaké, was uh, a very special city because it combined tradition and modernity. And we had a large community of expats at the time. So on weekends, I remember taking long walks with my parents to the countryside. We would go and visit farms, farmers, see the animals. And you could practice in that city a wide range of activities, such as painting, music, horseback riding, just to cite a few. And it was also known as the capital of rock and roll, because anytime there was a national competition, that city would win. And uh, my siblings and I went to a French school. And uh, yeah, we had classmates from all around the world. So I think that, uh, yeah, this is what influenced my decision to choose translation and interpreting as a profession. Wow, that sounds so cool. And thank you for giving us an insight into what life um, was like um, in the countryside as well. I think I'd just be really interested to find out, you know, how was it um, being at an international school with um, so many people from a different culture? I think it was a very interesting experience in the sense that we were living in Africa, but then we had an, uh, an insight of the Western world and other continents because we had friends from you know, Europe, we had friends from Asia. So we got a, a taste of uh, their culture, their food, the various, we knew what kind of uh, events that were important during the year. Or uh, we had, um, for instance, these dinners or parties with uh, our Chinese friends. Uh, over the new Chinese year. So it was really a, a very fruitful experience. Wow. I think not many people have that experience of meeting cultures so early on, especially um, like in an international school where there's also a, where the school in, in itself tries to, you know, harmonize the different cultures so that people feel comfortable, but also, you know, integrating um uh, integrating everyone in the in the country itself and um, I find that really fascinating and tell me more about um what what um languages um that you've learned over the years 
not many, I'm afraid. I uh, studied English and Spanish. I started studying those languages in school and I went on in uni. Of course, French is my first language, my mother tongue. I started learning Portuguese, but I had to put this on hold because I wanted to add interpreting to my skills. But uh, that's almost done now. So I'm going to get back to adding Portuguese to my language combination. <laughs> well, I find that fascinating that you say not a lot, but that that, that is a lot <laughs> since, you know, a lot of people... Um, you know, can't speak another language and you've dived in with so many different languages and also, you know, to build that profession of being an, a translator and interpreter that, you know, allows you to really study a language in such detail. Um, I find that really cool as well. Um, so so how, when did you start um, your journey as um, becoming a um, translator and interpreter? Oh, that's a very interesting question. Um, well, I knew, as I said, from high school, I wanted to become a translator, interpreter, because I knew I was going to communicate with people from different backgrounds. So I studied uh, in Ghana. I, after uh, in Ghana, I got my undergraduate degree there in, in English and uh, Spanish. After that, I uh, traveled to France to have a master's degree uh, in translation. Actually, I wanted to study interpreting directly, but uh, I got the chance to be uh, recruited as an intern for the Olympic Games organizing committee at the time. It was in 2004. So there, we were about 10 interpreting students from three schools, interpreting schools and translation schools in France. And during that event, there were about 200 interpreters who were recruited. And I spoke with one of them who was uh, very uh, good. She was outstanding when she was interpreting. And when I asked her how come she was so good and she stood out, uh, she said uh, she worked as a translator for a couple of years, 15 years, I remember, if I remember well. 15 years before getting back to uni and uh, uh, get trained as a, a professional interpreter. So she strongly advised me to work as a translator first and then work and then get back to school to get trained as an interpreter. And that's what uh, I, I, I'm doing right now. And that's what took me to the UK. I've been here for 10 months now and I'm about to graduate as a translator and interpreter. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm fascinated by the different career steps that you took and also you know, to have the courage to, like, move countries, you know, so many different times. And they are quite different, you know, the cultures. Um, so congratulations um, on, on everything that you've achieved so far. And that's really exciting to hear <laughs> that you. you're going to graduate. Um as well. <laughs> I, I just love to um, get your thoughts on, you know, just looking back, are there, have you, did you notice any um, similarities or differences between the different cultures? For example, um, how, how did, um, how was Cote d'Ivoire um, comp 
compares to Ghana, for example? Very different um, countries' way of uh, communicating. But first of all, let, let me go back to I would like to compare Senegal to Cote d'Ivoire, maybe. Uh, you know, in Senegal, people are more diplomatic in the way they express themselves. They are re- really careful with the wordings, wording. But uh, in uh, Cote d'Ivoire, it's, uh, the opposite people are more direct and they tend to be blunt sometimes. So growing up in Cote d'Ivoire, I felt that I was... I had the feeling that I was direct. But then when I moved to Ghana, I was told that I was not, that I tended to beat about the bush. I was not concise enough. So I had to learn to be more concise in the way I was speaking or writing documents. So it really did help me. That's really interesting. Um, And also I can imagine that just having those experiences that it's sometimes hard to choose kind of what elements of your personality you chose choose as well. Um, because, you know, we kind of adapt around, around our surroundings. I mean, just out of interest, would you say from like personality wise that you're more diplomatic or more, more direct? I would say naturally I'm um, direct. But with the experience I've had in the workplace, I've learned to adapt. And uh, the way I speak, I I adapt the way I communicate based on the person I have in front of me. For instance, um, during my time working as a translator for an international organization, I've worked with people from different backgrounds. So I know that with some professionals, you know, maybe from Germany uh, or Dutch, um, who are Dutch, I will be more direct than with uh, colleagues who are from Senegal, for instance, Japan or, or even the UK. So, yeah, and I learned also to listen to people, uh, really, to pe- listen to people, what they have to say, how they say it, even to what they don't say, to know how I'm going to interact with them. So it's really about reacting to the way people communicate and adapt the way you you speak with them. I can imagine, especially your your, um, listening skills must be excellent, especially, you know, doing a um, qualification in interpreting. Because as you say, you know, you want to, portray it with the same nuances as they've said it so you need to have a whole different level of understanding and listening skills to be able to achieve that yes Uh, you know during that training we are taught how to read people you listen to well people when they speak but you you watch their body language you also uh there are some elements that give give them away. They can tell you something and really uh, be showing you that they think the opposite, actually, or they mean the opposite. And I found that uh, very interesting coming to the UK here, that uh, people do not maybe tell you exactly what thing, what they think, because they might be afraid to frustrate you or to hurt your feelings. So I had to be uh, really more careful about that and uh, 
listen more carefully to people, not only listening to what they are saying, but look at, the, you know, read their body languages, uh, body language, and be really attentive to what they say, how they behave. Yeah. I can imagine that because you have that extra insight, it can be also sometimes frustrating because you can't you can't have a direct conversation about what the actual problem is. And also, I guess you know when you're an interpreter, you're almost like an um, like you're a bystander. You're not directly involved in the you know the conversation that they are having. You know, you're you're interpreting. Um, or the other person I'd be interested to know like and also for those listening what what does um what other things do you like learn to look out for um you know just an overview when you become um trained as an interpreter for instance you have to learn to identify the speaker's intention really because sometimes you have speakers who would start making a, giving a speech, but then you, the first five to 10 minutes, you won't be able to understand. You, you, you can't say, okay, this is where he's going. This is uh, what he's trying to say. So you have to give yourself some time, not follow the speaker and try to make a sense of what he's being said. Really, because you are the link between the audience and the speaker. So if for the first five minutes, the speaker doesn't make any sense, you shouldn't be doing the same thing. You should try to make sense of what he's saying. So it's quite, um, it's quite challenging sometimes. Sometimes it helps to have uh, prior knowledge on the topic that you are going to interpret or know how the speaker speaks, what are his views. So that way it's easier for you uh, to interpret. You just have uh, to wait for the ideas to come across and you you know how to get through the assignments. Wow, that I, that's mind-blowing to me because although that might now seem like obvious but I've never thought about that in so much detail because that makes a lot of sense like that you almost have to think ahead about what what they're trying to achieve and I just think about the poor um, instances where the speaker hasn't for example refined what they said so it's not concise and maybe he doesn't even know what he's trying to say Um, and then (laughs) You're trying to help him out, but then he might change direction or he might be, um, you know, in flow and be able to, you know, articulate, you know, his latest. Oh, wow. I know. Thank you for giving us an insight into into um, that aspect. And, you know, I'd just be interested to know, you know, as you've traveled to different countries, did you also um, read like different books um, in the, in the different languages? I have. I uh, read books mainly in French, English, Spanish as well. But since uh, English is uh, more active uh, than my other language, I mean, than Spanish, I've been doing a lot of reading. So if I open my computer or any device I have, all 
the language set is English. If I read the news, everything is in, 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 in English, really. Well, so one of the main languages in, in Senegal, you can find books in Wolof. To be honest, I haven't read many books in Wolof. And it's supposed to be my mother tongue. You, I'm sure that you are getting confused uh, when I, you mention mother tongues because I said French was my mother tongue. But in the translation, interpreting profession, your language, your main language of instruction is your mother tongue. So I was instructed in French. So this is supposed to be my mother tongue. But uh, I have some basic knowledge of Wolof because um, what happened was that uh, my parents were from two different ethnic groups. So they did not speak the same language. As a result, we were speaking French only at home. So uh, we spent a couple of years in uh, Senegal before moving to Cote d'Ivoire. So I picked up that the language I can list, I can understand well of, but I don't speak it so fluently. But I'm really considering learning it, activating it, and really uh, reading, start reading books in Wolof, because I feel that you know we have a lot of uh, um, tales, stories that are said orally that would need to be translated, written down. And I believe that this is this is going to be very good for uh, the future, for future generations as well. Wow. Yes, exactly. I think that would be so valuable if you find the time. But I think that's really, you know, really important because, you know, like lots of books are translated, you know, into English and because people kind of accept that that's uh, a common language. But we don't sometimes realize that what about all the books or stories like you said that are spoken you don't want to lose them and also the wisdom that's passed on from generation to generation and you know so many people could learn um from that wisdom or the stories and you know enjoy the stories as well so I'd encourage you <laughs> if you if you can that would be really amazing and so so unique to you as well because of your experiences um, from growing up as well. That sounds really cool. Yes, and uh, lately uh, it's uh, really uh, interesting that you're asking me this question because uh, lately there was I, I had this discussion with a, an interpreter. Uh, who has so much experience, he speaks more than what, eight languages. He told me to think about my local, these local languages, think about Wolof, because he asked me, what's your mother tongue, you know, you know, a, a language from your country that you speak? And then I told him, okay, I know this language, but I'm not so fluent. And I said, you should think about adding that because these are languages that are rare. They tend to be rare. So it's very important to, that you you learn it. So I'm going to learn that language and then uh, also think about really, uh, you know, um, documenting some of our stories and history as well. Yeah, I think that would be amazing because if you did return, you know, you could actually learn more about, um, you know, the area and. Uh, connect with people 
um, who live who live in that part of the world. And I think it's it's so special, and not everyone has that ability to be able to um, have that experience. Because you know, when you don't speak the same language, is sometimes you know difficult, especially even if you did share a language like French it's sometimes not the quite the same feeling as if you spoke you know the mother tongue language yes uh, that's what people say maybe i'll feel that when i upgrade uh, that language maybe uh, i'll tell you more about my experience in ghana I would like to tell you about my experience in Ghana for three reasons. First, the quality of education in the university I went to. The standard of education was very high and the architecture of the university was impressive, beautiful. I remember sending pictures to friends who were studying overseas, meaning in the West, and they were surprised that uh, they could be an, uh, an academic institution like that in West Africa. Second, I had the chance to meet people from various backgrounds. Um, from uh, You could have uh, students coming all the way from Japan to learn African dance or coming from uh, the U.S. to know more about African culture. But what struck me was meeting Nigerians who carried African names. And this may sound like uh, detail, but it's not. For instance, my name, Maimuna, is Arabic. And many people have names that are either Arabic, French, or maybe British. And wouldn't have an African names, but I remember that Nigerians, even though they would have British names or American names, they would still have an African name that they would, that they would carry so well. And third, there was this course that was compulsory in the university. It's it was called African Studies. So no matter what you ch you chose to major in, you had to take that course and pass it. And I had the opportunity to learn more about funerals, for instance, and festivals in Africa and know about some cultural specificities and differences in the region. To be honest, I have very fond memories of my stay in Ghana and it was an amazing experience. I've gained a lot. Of knowledge there. Wow, that sounds really cool. And you know, amazing as well to hear about the African studies. And that's really interesting um, to hear about um, learning about the different festivals and music and dance. Because if, if I just think about the continent Europe, you know, we, we don't tend to learn like at high school, we don't tend to learn about each other's festivals. Um, only perhaps in a religious sense. Um, and it's really interesting to hear that actually there's a real emphasis on retaining and, you know, learning about different countries. Um, that's really cool. Yeah, but I think it was a really a 
specificity of that university. I don't know about other universities on that continent, but yeah, this was something that really impressed me. That's really cool. Well, just I'd just be interested to hear, do you have any tips um, for the people, um, you know, who are looking to um, perhaps move country? You know, do you have any tips about how to approach that and to find a place where they probably feel comfortable or be interested in? I had the chance to to be sponsored to travel, but uh, I think... I can do some research because there was this blog, a uh, French blogger who uh, I read about who got actually some tips on how you can travel the world on a small budget and still be able to know more about the culture, such, such as cuisine, uh, uh, festivals and, and things like that. So I'll look it up. That sounds great. Yeah, if you do find it, I will add it to the um, episode notes. Um, that's brilliant. So, yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation, Mona. And you know, how can people contact you and connect with you if they'd like to carry on this conversation and learn from you? I also enjoyed the conversation. You can contact me on my LinkedIn profile, Munas Diata. M-O-U-N-A-S-S-E-D-I-A-T-T-A. I would be delighted to offer my translation and interpreting services. I work from English into French and French into English and Spanish into French. Oh, excellent. And yes, I can imagine that you have a whole wealth of information that you've learned about just by listening to different people talk about different subjects. That's fascinating. It is. Thank you for having me on your podcast, Janina. Thank you for listening and Bispired.